0: Again, I am eager to share with you this morning, we've been going through this series called In Plain Sight, talking about the idea of theology all around us, or that you can find the study of God and God's work, and just even even in small ways, it's like, oh, God is in this, or God is at work among us in our culture. Um, Goodness, we heard it from the Wizard of Oz. That was an eye-opener for me. Um, We had Brent talking about Wordle and the things happening there. Um, You know, we talked last week about a documentary that's gone crazy on Amazon and about um, fundamentalism. And so we're talking all kinds of range of things. And I'm going to probably shock you with my topic this morning. But this is another thing um, that I have been noticing and seeing all around me. It feels very in plain sight right now. Um, And it's very Popular. There's been a huge resurgence of this in pop culture, and especially among young people. And I see this with the young people I work with, um, and that is the phenomenon of uh, tarot cards, and astrology, and uh, zodiac signs, and reading your horoscope, and all those things. So I'm noticing this everywhere. In fact, I was just talking with someone this morning. We'd both seen the same setup at Barnes and Noble. You walk in, and the first like big set of books that you see is like all these, just so much information on astrology and tarot cards and kind of understanding your future and understanding how the stars are aligning and what that means for you. Um, It's everywhere, Target, Walmart, you find them everywhere. Um, uh, Christian Dior just did a, she did a whole fashion line based around tarot cards. In Vogue magazine, there was a whole beginner's guide to reading tarot cards. TikTok, I know probably all of you have TikTok. I'm <laughs> just kidding. This main big social media platform, but there's like 35 billion views uh, around Tarot on TikTok. Um, and there's people called influencers that are on social media, and they, they're always, um, they get paid, basically, uh, to influence people on social media. And there's a whole bunch of influencers who are astrologists and offer to do readings for people or offer to... Um, share what's happening, what they read in the stars, or what they're reading in the sky. In 2021, the astrological service industry, which kind of encompasses a lot of this, was worth over $12 billion. Isn't that fascinating? And some of you may be shocked, like, what? I had no idea um, that this was going on. I feel like I see it all the time. You know, half the girls I work with wear, wear their zodiac sign on their necklace, and they you know, maybe have some cute little designer tarot cards or those kinds of things. I mean, it's, it's very common now, it seems like. There's a resurgence of this. But some of you are like, uh, okay, this is old news. Like, been there, done that, you know. Read my horoscopes in the paper years and years ago. Um, I was reading, it was about the 1930s when astrology became much more um, popular in the Western world. And it was through astrologies in what? Where did you read your Where did you read your horoscope? the newspaper. And do you remember? I don't know about you, but for me, when I was a kid, they were with the comics, so I could kind of sneak in there and read read the comics and also, just like get a little hint of what my future might hold that week. You know, um, even though I thought, oh, it's wrong, but I'm going to read it anyway. I want to know. Um, and so some of you also might be just looking at me like, I don't know what any of this is. Like I have very little understanding. Um, so tarot cards are like, is a deck of cards that people believe um, kind of gives divine wisdom and guidance through a specific spread of cards. So essentially what happens is somebody might own a deck of cards and they do it for themselves, or they have someone who reads, uh, does a tarot reading for them. And so they'll take out a deck of cards. You might ask a question like, you know, when will I find love? Or will I ever have a child? Or will, you know, questions. Um, What, is there a um, what is the diagnosis of this illness I'm experiencing? And something usually future-related. And um, and then there would be a shuffling of the cards, and they lay them out, and then you would have a reading um, based on what do those cards mean? And so what is the message that is divinely inspired that's being sent to you about your life or your future? And then astrology, simply put, is... Uh, searching for meaning in the sky and I did want to say too both of these things have been around forever so um, tarot reading was like established in the or tarot cards were established actually as a game in the 14th century in Europe and then centuries later just a few centuries later they became much more like kind of mystical and magical and more about kind of predicting future and fortune telling Um, But astrology has also been around forever. The stars have been around forever. Um, And so there's a, the astrology kind of is a range of practices, but basically uh, astrology is the uh, the practice of claiming that divine information is in the stars um, and can kind of um, predict uh, information or discern information about humans and world events by studying positions of stars or planets and how things are aligning. I mean, it's interesting if you think about history. Really, all cultures at some point um, have attached importance to observations from the sky. You know, we created our calendar based on the sky, and there's uh, there's been a lot of history with understanding the stars and the planets. Um, people have always looked up to find out information about the world and themselves and structure, um, and even historically. Uh, astrology was thought of as something that was kind of academic or scholarly uh, by academics and thought of in scientific circles as um, accurate. Um, but then uh, in the Western world, uh, the development of the scientific method came and suddenly uh, the credibility of astrology went out the window and, um, and the popularity decreased. Although it is still widely used around the world, especially the Eastern world. Um, Southeast Asia in particular is still like... There's still a lot of meaning and a lot of, um, of things attached to the, the practice of astrology. And so I wanna give a disclaimer this morning. I am not an expert, in no way am I an expert on astrology, tarot cards, any of this. I'm just intrigued by it because I've seen it around me. Matthew jokes with me that I read about something or I listen to a podcast and I am an immediate expert and I talk about it like I've been studying it for years, you know. This is not that. I am not an expert. Um, I, and I also, as I was studying astrology in particular, I realized the depth of history and the important cultural context too. So, um, you know, astrology isn't necessarily thought of the same way in the Western world as it is throughout the entire world or the importance of it or the weight of it. And so I wanna say, please don't listen to me as an expert. Please don't think, oh, this is a lecture. I'm gonna learn, get educated on these things and why they're bad or good or whatever. No, I am simply Amy. I'm a pastor. Um, I'm interpreting something intriguing that I see in plain sight all around me um, and um, helping us think about what to do with that. How do you process that? And what does Jesus have to say about this? So, I have a question for you this morning. Why do you think there's been such a resurgence? In fact, I think it was like Google Trends that said the last five years around astrology and tarot cards have like peaked, like they're the highest they've ever been and then the next year it's the highest it's ever been and the next year the highest ever been. Such a resurgence of these things in our culture, especially among young folks. Why do you think that's true? Somebody shout out some, a guess. They have yeah, the people have questions. Worried about, the worried about the future, yes, yes. Anything else? Uh oh. Woo, Tony, come on up. Let's. You want to preach? No, I'm kidding. I think it's all uh, many of those things. So you you guys got my whole list. I think so. Interestingly, in my research, these things started to actually start to rise during COVID, which makes sense. People were stressed. People had questions. People were wondering about their futures, and um, and they were like stressing and wondering what is what's happening in the world am I okay will I be okay what does the future hold you know it feels like we're facing all these unsolvable problems I need answers and Christians weren't giving them you know for many folks they weren't finding it in Christianity or they weren't finding satisfaction in what they were hearing um, in Christian circles and so they began to look into astrology looking at horoscopes looking into the zodiac and tarot cards for those kinds of things and information and I also think, um, one thing I see, especially in, in um, a lot of the younger folks I work with, is just uh, people looking for some of those things that feel like kind of the deepest human longings, which is like, am I okay? You know, am I, am I a valid person? <laughs> you know, can I be affirmed as who I am? Um, what is my future? Does my life have meaning and purpose? People ask these questions, and these are questions that live in each of us, probably, and we've wrestled with at different times in our life. And really, this is nothing new. As I was thinking about it, I'm like, oh, this is actually first humans that we hear from are asking these same questions in some ways, right? In Genesis, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God has just given them the full range of the garden. You know, you have perfection at your fingertips. You have all the pleasure, all the things that you need. You literally live in paradise, and God says, you can't have this one thing you know, and you can't have this a knowledge of, this understanding of the knowledge of good and evil. That's for me, God. The rest is for you, it's all for you. And what do they want? They want what they can't have. And you see immediately that human need for control, right? I feel like so much of this boils down to the desire for control. And that's what we talked about last week. I thought it was interesting. There's a little bit of a parallel. Last week it was a lot more like, you know, talking about the Duggars and Bill Gothard and their, their theology being more like, we want to control other people. And this is more like, we, wanna, we want control. I want control of my life. I want control of my future, you know, and I long for those things. Just like Adam and Eve. And the serpent comes to them and, of course, tells them, that's not actually true. You won't die if you eat this fruit. It says in Genesis 3, the uh, serpent says, you will not certainly die the serpent said to the woman, "For God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil." And when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, and also desirable for gaining wisdom, do you hear that? Again, why do we want wisdom so that we know how to act, so that we know how to control our futures or the lives that we have? When she saw that it was desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. They had everything but they didn't have full control. There was this one piece. Isn't this this like lifelong human condition? And it's exaggerated in these times when everything feels out of control. Anybody relate to that at all? Like feeling a little bit like, oh, I might feel a little out of control. And it feels especially so in these days. People are seeking answers. I think they're seeking a sense of security, um, a sense, a deep sense of control. Um, And instead of looking to God for wisdom, God, the one who holds our future, who knows all about our futures, they look to other things. And I think it's interesting because as you think about where people are going, so when you think about what the stars can tell you, and when you think about what a tarot card can tell you, they give you information, right? Right? And it may or may not be true. Maybe it's a 50-50, you know? Well, this may happen or it may not, even though somebody read that to you, you know? Or the stars say this. You know, you can can get really deep into the astrological things where, like, you know, it'll tell you what certain days to, like, ask for a raise at your job or certain people that you're compatible with. There's an app now that a lot of young folks are using called CoStar, and you can learn, like, even your... Um, compatibility for love. you know. These are the other signs that you're most compatible with, and here are the days where you should pursue those relationships and those kinds of things. Like trying to map out stars and planets and finding information. What does that give us? It just gives us information. And then that information helps us feel more in control. But God wants something different. Tarot and astrology offer information and an illusion of control. They give us some kind of information and it's simply an illusion of control. It makes us feel better for the moment, maybe. But Jesus offers relationship and an invitation to release control. Do you see how different those are? The one is like information, like here's, a, here's potentially what could happen in your future. The other is a relationship with the one who holds it all, with God who holds it all. And in relationship with him, he actually says, you don't need control. I didn't design you for that. You can release control. You're not meant to have control. That's not for you, that's for me. We as human beings, we want to know. We want information and we want to know and I believe that God wants us to trust. And he's saying, come and surrender to me. Trust me. Just like he says to Adam and Eve in the garden, trust me, I have all these good things for you. And it's hard to trust in relationship, isn't it? It's actually easier to trust information. It's easier to believe and hold on to and trust information because it feels more secure, maybe. Relationship feels vulnerable. Relationship feels risky. But the good news about who God is is that he takes on all the risk and all the vulnerability himself. As we're gonna uh, um, remember communion um, and have communion together this morning later, we'll remember that, that when Jesus died for us, when Jesus poured out his life, so that we would be free, so that we would be whole, so that we could have relationship with him forever, that gave us all the security we need. And that relationship then defines us. And we find then our identity in God, we find our security in our relationship with Jesus, who poured out his life for us. And we experience purpose and meaning through that relationship, it's all through relationship with the one who holds our future. And although we, especially when times are stressful, especially when times are scary, especially when times feel so out of our control and circumstances feel so out of our control, we want to know things, don't we? We long to know things. And even in Christianity, I'm talking about astrology and and tarot cards, but even in Christianity, how many books have been written about when, oh, Jesus is coming back on this date, you know? Or did you ever... um, Paul in the first service was reminding me of the codes, codes of the Bible. You know, like these things match up and these things match up and Jesus is coming back on these days. It's not that different than what's happening with folks who are into astrology. It's how do these things align? How do these things match up? And what do we know from that? What do we learn from that? We want to know information and things and God wants to know us and he wants us to know him. He already does know us as I was preparing this week, I thought, oh, that reminds me of this beautiful Psalm, Psalm 139, where we rem- were reminded of how God knows us, how deeply and how well he knows us. The stars don't know us, tarot cards don't know us. God knows us, our ins and outs. Psalm 139 says, you've searched me, Lord, and you know me, you know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar and you discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. I love that. Again, the acknowledgement of God is God and I am not. You know, God knows all these things. God has knowledge of me that I don't even have. And I'm not intended to have. That's, it's too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your right hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. God is always with us. I mean, what is more comforting? What is more security than knowing the God who is always there? Wherever we are, behind and before, within and around. This week, Pearl was reading. I took some cards to our women's ministry thing that had discussion questions to get discussion going on them. And she was reading one, and it said, what's one thing you take with you everywhere? You know what I was thinking my answer, if I was going to say my answer, it was my phone. You know what she said to me? She said, um, God. I was like, Pearl Becker, you better preach, girl. That is so true, and I need to hear that. She's like, well, I do. I take him everywhere, you know? He doesn't ever leave, you're so right. And we have that comfort that we find here in Psalm 139. And then it goes down a little later, it says, um, for you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What a relief that is, isn't it? When you're in that place of like longing for answers, longing for control, longing to know that your future is okay, that your future is secure, longing to know that you are loved, that you matter, that you have purpose, Longing to know that you are not alone, that this is not the end of the world, as we know it, we look at Psalm 139, and we see God knows us all. He knows us fully. He knows our futures and our pasts. I love Romans 8:28. This is a verse I recite to myself all the time. "Thank you, God, that you are always working on our behalf and for our good." And if all of this is true, then why wouldn't we seek God's wisdom first? Why would we look around to these other things to kind of meet some of those feelings that we have or those places that are unsatisfied? When we know that God has wisdom, in James 5 it talks about how you need wisdom, ask God. God has the wisdom that you need. Wisdom comes from him, and it's a different kind of wisdom than the world offers or than a deck of tarot cards offer or than reading the stars and understanding them offer you. There's a story in Daniel 1 that I was rereading this, this week and I love, it's a story about Daniel and when he goes to live with King Nebuchadnezzar and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are there with him and the king has recruited them to come. He wants to teach them. He's like, I want to teach them the Babylonian ways and the language and, um, and I want them to come learn in my presence. And so they go and live with the king and they're there to serve and learn. And it was common at that time for um, these young, smart men that were um, recruited by the king that they would come in and they would also kind of learn to ha- have, vi- learn to have um, interpret dreams and um, learn how to predict the future and all those things. And the king would ask them for those things to make decisions based on. And it says in Daniel 1, it says that these four young men, um, that God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. The king talked with them, and he found none equal to them, to Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them, he found them ten ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters, all the astrologists, in his whole kingdom. Isn't that cool? that you see even king Nebuchadnezzar he has had all i mean he has access to all of these people and all of their gifts and reading the stars and interpreting dreams and all of these things all the magicians and enchanters and people who supposedly know all these things and yet he has these men who know god and they come and they learn with him and they interpret dreams for him and they have visions for him and he says wow everything they said everything they gave everything they knew was 10 times better not even in comparison to everyone else. God's wisdom is better. God's wisdom is 10 times better. You can pursue answers from the stars aligning. You can pursue you know, answers about your future from a deck of tarot cards and what they might say. And maybe there's something that you relate to or maybe you read a horoscope and you're like, oh, that actually kind of makes sense. Trust me, God's wisdom is 10 times better. And I do want to take a minute to say here also that the way I see things popping up in culture around us, especially among young people, and the way they're kind of handling zodiacs and um, astrology and tarot cards and horoscopes and those kinds of things, it feels very much like a, a trend. It just feels almost like fashion, you know, like people are wearing the things, they're doing tarot cards with their girlfriends, like it's cute and fun, right? And it seems like that. And there's a part of me that's encouraged by that. I'm like, good, I'm glad this does not feel like this weighty, dark thing. But I also understand from scripture that it is a weighty, dark thing. And that people can get deep into this and there can be major ramifications and consequences. And there can be a whole level of of pain that awaits them. And so I wanted to say a word about that. In, in Deuteronomy um, 4, uh, it talks about this. It says, "When you look up to the sky and you see the sun, the moon, and the stars, all the heavenly array, do not be enticed into bowing down to them and worshiping things. The Lord your God is apportioned to all the nations under heaven, because that's what people were doing. You know, they're they're basing their life and their calendars on the stars and the planets and the moon, and so they're looking to the sky for answers or for guidance. Right? People looked for guidance, even in travel and things, to the stars." It would make sense, they're like, oh, you're giving me guidance, now I'm gonna be, you are gonna become my idol, you become God, you give me guidance, and they worship those created things rather than the creator himself. But even at the end of that passage it says, but as for you, the Lord took you, and he brought you out of Egypt to be the people of his inheritance as you now are. Don't worship the stars and the moon, he's saying. Don't look up to the sky to worship these things I've created, look at me the creator, the one who wants to have relationship with you, the one from Psalm 139 who knows you and knows all the things about you, the one who has given you everything in covenant with you and will eventually give everything through Jesus and the death on the cross. In Deuteronomy 18, there's some stronger language as well, um, talking about how there should be no one found among you um, who uses divination, one who practices witchcraft or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer or or one who casts a spell or a medium or a spiritist, or one who calls upon the dead. These practices were very much prohibited um, in Moses' law. And there's a few reasons for that. I was reading even in a commentary this week and I thought it was so poignant. One of them is that, you know what this does? It causes people to live in denial. They're looking for something from something that can looking for answers from something that cannot give them answers it might give you predictions it might give you information but it's not going to give you answers so you're actually denying reality you're denying that what that this created thing cannot give you the answers you want instead you are leaning into it anyway because it's giving you a sense of control and what happens in that is that people end up pursuing all of that and instead of God they pursue that or secondly Um, And much worse, getting too far deep into these practices, and in fact, um, a lot of tarot uh, card use from history is um, related to the occult. And so as you get into some of these things deeper and deeper, um, you become under the dominion of the evil thing. You know, you're looking for control, and what ends up happening is that these things end up controlling you um and it's so easy to be deceived by these things just like Adam and Eve were deceived in the garden saying like, oh no you actually can know everything you can know the difference of this you can know you can be god we are deceived in these ways and so i think what we need to use is humility and discernment we've used these words i think every week so far in this series the ideas of humility and discernment. We've got to be people who are humble and humble enough to say, oh, I don't know much about that. I'm curious. Let me understand. And also with key discernment, saying this feels wrong. This does not feel right. This does not resonate with the God I know. And this does not resonate with what I see in scripture. Certainly it can lead us to dark places. But I want to say this. I am actually encouraged some by what I see around me. I'm encouraged by these young folks who are interested in tarot cards and in astrology and zodiac and all of these things. And you know why I'm interested in that and why I'm encouraged by that? Because to me, that shows me they have some spiritual hunger. They have a spiritual curiosity. They want to know more about they want to have an experience with something bigger than themselves, and many of these folks realize there is something bigger than me. I'm trying to figure out what it is, but many of them are like what Tony said. They're like, yeah, Christianity not doing it for me, or I'm not seeing it in my Christian friends, or I'm not seeing it in this church across the street, or whatever it might be, and so they begin to search for answers and for understanding of what's bigger than themselves in other places other than Jesus, other than God and his wisdom. They think about Christians often as like, oh, there's just, it's dogmatic beliefs, you know, it's stuffy and rigid and old religion. And it's just a bunch of rules. There's not a transcendent experience that I could have in that space. And what I mean by transcendent is people are longing for something that is bigger than words or explanation or something that's more than just physical. They want to have an experience with God. They want to have an experience of knowing that they're connected to something and they're a part of something bigger than themselves. Matthew was telling me, so my husband, Matthew, was telling me that before he became a Christian, he became a Christian much later in life, um, uh, in his 20s, and he was telling me um, that, you know, he he didn't really grow up like going to church and things, and so he didn't have a real base for Christianity, but he just was like, yeah, I don't want to be a Christian. He's like, those folks just go to church on Sunday. He's like, I need something that's going to get me through every day, you know, not just Sunday. And he was like, and it all just seemed like a lot of these folks were people who were very they had all these rules that they were following, but they didn't actually follow them. The Christians I did know seemed to be hypocrites. He's like, that just didn't interest me. But he had a deep spiritual hunger and curiosity. He read all kinds of books. He was into Buddhism for a while. He um, explored a lot of different things. He said he bought his own set of tarot cards, and um, learned how to do tarot and try to get find, you know, answers to his life that way. He visited a psychic. I mean, he was just, he was spiritually hungry and interested. And I think that to, to me, I'm like, what? But really, that's not uncommon. Many people explore those things because what's happening is they're realizing there is something in them that desires connection and answers and, and um, understanding of something that's bigger than themselves. And so there is a, there's a quote I found this week by Blaise Pascal. He says, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every human which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God, the creator made known to Jesus. Isn't that so true? I see that in the young people I work with. I see that in people that I know. And even in our own friends and families, um, Matthew and I have seen that, where there's like this God-shaped vacuum. The person might not know what that is, but they're like, I long for something more. I desire something greater than what I have currently and he he says in scripture that when you seek me when you have a desire when you have spiritual hunger when you have spiritual curiosity and you seek God you will find him in jeremiah 29 he says if you seek me and you seek me with your whole heart you will find me you will be found by me says the lord he wants to be found He is a God who wants to be found. He wants us to seek, and he wants to be found. In fact, Matthew said, oh yeah, after all that, he said, it just felt like it kept ramping up and ramping up, and he's like, eventually I went and talked to my grandma, and she told me she'd been praying for me for a long time, and she wasn't surprised that I was dabbling in all these things, because she's like, oh, I think think you have, you know, a spiritual hunger. And just a few weeks later, he began to know and understand Jesus and became a follower of Jesus, and it changed his life forever. And he said that vacuum, like something was like, this is it. This is what I've been longing for, his relationship with Jesus. I think even we see that in scripture. I love that when Jesus is born, who's one of the fir- who are some of the first people that are sent to go see the baby Jesus and bring him gifts that realize the baby Jesus has been born? The magi. You know what magi were? Magi were astrologers. They knew the stars, that was their job. They'd read the stars to predict information, to predict things that were happening in the world. They're the first ones. They're busy looking up in the sky and they see the star and they know immediately, that's the star of the Messiah who's come. Let's go visit him and they go get gifts. And what happens to to their understanding of reading the stars? The reading of the stars for them leads to Jesus. And sometimes I think we can get really scared and put off by all these things, but I think we need to open ourselves up and pray for the people around us and even ourselves because sometimes these things are the things that actually lead people to Jesus at the end of the day. God can use these methods to bring people to him. So if you have friends or grandkids or kids who are interested, I had a young person, um, a very young person, after first service stop me and say, yeah, I'm really into astrology. People are interested in this and they're looking for answers here. If you know folks who are, don't be scared of that. Pray for them and and be curious. Ask them questions, humility and discernment. Maybe they're just spiritually hungry and seeking. I have a a sister-in-law who is very spiritually curious. Um, She did not grow up Christian. She's not interested in Christianity. She has a really bad taste in her mouth around Christianity. Um, and so she's explored a lot of other things, and she loves the supernatural. There's something in her that, like, she wants to have an encounter with something that's bigger than herself. She goes, she's gone to haunted houses, she's gone to psychics, she watches all kinds of shows about supernatural things. Um, You know, she just has, and I'm like, oh, that's that God-shaped vacuum. She's looking for something. She's looking for a transcendent experience, and so often we are not offering that in the church either, you know? Sometimes we just are those stodgy folks who are just in our routine and when people come here or show up or people interact with Christians they just see, oh, that's just like a set of rules they follow. They don't see it as this beautiful relationship with a God who is transcendent through the Holy Spirit where we can experience his love for us and see it made manifest and demonstrated in beautiful ways around us. Maybe that's you that's longing for more. You know, maybe you are saying, yeah, I long for more in my relationship with God. I feel that. You know, I'm not looking at the stars or I'm not looking at horoscopes or I'm not looking at, you know, um, tarot cards. Or maybe you are. But maybe you aren't looking at those things, but you feel that lack of satisfaction. You feel that God-shaped vacuum in your heart that's longing for more. I would encourage you this morning, just even as we begin to, to take communion this morning, that you would ask, Holy Spirit, would you give me more of yourself? He always says yes to that. Would you give me more encounter with you? Transcendent experience with you. For me, so, so much of that can happen in just formational practices that I do during the week. I think about how I've had to train myself to do listening prayer. Instead of just praying everything, pray, 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 I'm done. Sit and listen. God, is there something you want to say to me this morning? What do you have for me? And sometimes an image comes up, sometimes a thought comes up, and soon I'm like, oh, I'm having a transcendent experience with God. He's here and I'm here and we're talking and he's telling me something important, you know? I often pray, even the breath prayer, I breathe in, you are God, and I breathe out, I am not. Or I breathe in, you are infinite, and I am finite. And soon I begin to believe those things, and I'm like, oh God, you're speaking to me. I would encourage you to pursue some of those things in your own life. And this morning, as we